Welcome to the Combat Chat Podcast. This is an Aussie based show covering everything to do with Muay Thai, submission grappling, MMA boxing, and weird news the fight world has to offer each week. Now it's time to combat sports and chill with your boys, Shane, Trent, and Hugh. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Combat Chat Podcast. It is an absolutely beautiful, sunny Saturday here in Sydney. Just wrapped up training. Things really starting to kick off for the year. Um, Fight news coming soon. Everything's moving. Everything's uh, full speed ahead in the gym at the moment, which is what we like. Um, Solo again from the bedroom studio today, but have another guest calling in from Torquay down in Victoria. Uh, Mr. Matt Williams, how are you? I'm wonderful. And um, it's sunny down here too. Sunny down I, here I, too. I was actually thinking you're looking pretty fit and healthy. There must be something around the corner. And thanks for noticing that I'm looking pretty slender. Um, I've probably just got worms. <laughs> <laughs> you are looking very, very, very slender, very fit and very handsome, of course. I thought it went without saying. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. And Matt, thanks very much for joining me this afternoon. For any uh, listeners that don't recognize you, you are running the show there at Bones MMA uh, in Torquay. People know where Torquay is. Um, you, people might recognize your voice. You've been doing a lot of the commentary for the big one, uh, Rebellion Muay Thai, recently. When we have people on the show, um, how we like to kick off always is just if you wouldn't mind giving us a little bit of your background how you got into Muay Thai or martial arts in general and um, how you came to be where you are today yeah sweet man so I'm originally from New Zealand so I've been uh, I've been in Torquay for about three years before that I was in Melbourne for about 10 uh, prior to that I was in uh, Auckland and prior to that I was in Bay of Plenty uh, Tauranga so um, I originally got my start in martial arts um, in Auckland with a guy, Richie Stewart, Richie Hardcore. Um, yep. so, some might remember him. He's, uh, you know, he's fought in Australia. Uh, he's got a good little stable over there. You know, kickboxing and uh, Muay Thai in New Zealand have very strong roots, on, especially yep. in, you know, the 90s and early 2000s. That it, it was a bit of a powerhouse, and I'm not sure that people realise how uh, important it is uh so, you know, the culture of martial arts back there and about the lineage that we have uh, in Japan fighting over here. There's been, mm. you know, from Shane Chopper Chapman to, um, you know, Ray Sefu. It's 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 um, really prominent part of Auckland culture and sporting culture. Uh, and it's on, you know, it's on TV, uh, uh, you know, free-to-air TV. We'll get, you know, the, the king of the ring. You know, I remember watching mm. Dan Hooker fight at, you know, light heavyweight in a kickboxing tournament, you know, way back in the day. <laughs> Pretty crazy, man. And then like to go to, you know, get on the um, the chickpeas or whatever he did to get down to featherweight. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I originally got started with uh, Richie and um, didn't spend too long there. I, I ended up making the move to Melbourne and um, I was training uh, at, with uh, Tao a little bit out in Richmond mm-hmm. and then go, go uh, you pursued a career and that kind of took me away from martial arts but fell back in love with it uh, and 
started training at Renegade MMA, which is in Kensington. That's uh, primarily a jiu-jitsu gym, uh, but I was training with the likes uh, of Cal Potter, you know, UFC. Yep. Um, you, uh, well, now former UFC athlete. Uh, Jamie Murray, a fantastic jiu-jitsu instructor. And, um, yeah, it, it, that was kind of the beginning of my own competitive journey, but also uh, probably where I got my start coaching too. So I was given the yep. opportunity to coach there. Um, and coached alongside you know, Cal and being in his corner. It was a really amazing part of my journey. Um, and, you know, through uh, Renegade, got my start in amateur, you know, mixed martial arts and uh, kickboxing and Muay Thai. When I made my professional debut, I um, severely damaged my hand, throwing probably the ugliest overhand right you've ever seen in your life. Uh, looked like asterisks and obliques. You know, remember that little cartoon? Um, and that uh, that injury led me to pursue, uh, you know, larger glove um, combat sports. And I went over to the ring gym, Andy Colgrave, Andy Hollywood yep. Colgrave. He, he was really good uh, back in the day, still is. Um, and, yeah, had, had started off, uh, had a few fights on roots. You know, I've had um, fights over in Thailand and then slipped into the coaching role, which I love. Cool. That's, not, like- that's a nice fight. <laughs> Like we said before we started recording, we like we like organic here. That's that's uh that, that's the product that we're putting out. Yeah, well, we're also running an OnlyFans if people are interested. Um, I'm just gonna march all these nice butts past me, and you can um, send me your hard earned. I'll drop the link in the description because um, personally, I'm sold. Um, I'm sure the listeners will be the same. Good. So, was gonna ask, and you kind of covered it there. Um, your background coming out from um you know, New Zealand was with some of those sort of foundation kickboxing Muay Thai schools. Um, but your initial kind of foray into competitive combat sports was, was MMA, um, Bones's Bones MMA gym. So it was just a, a busted hand and a desire to fight in bigger gloves that kind of led you down the Muay Thai route or was there always kind of a, a separate sort of interest there? Yeah, well, like I was always interested in it, but my, I, I think my uh, number one, uh you know passion at, at, certainly at that time was MMA like I mm-hmm. uh, I, had, uh, I was investing a lot of time and uh, training into being competitive and you know professional MMA uh, and I had all the supports around me uh, but uh, Cal Potter um, very you know very close friend of mine he's he uh, was looking for something else in terms of advancing his striking and he yep. went to Andrew, uh, Colgrave, who had just opened his gym at that time, the ring gym in, in Braybrook. And he had been, um, he'd come from previously from resilience and then from dominance, um, you know, Sitiatong product for back in the day with Jeb. Yep. And and got to know Andy and uh, really enjoyed being around him. His gym's got a fantastic culture um, uh, and his, uh, his, his knowledge of Muay Thai, I felt, was complimentary. And his style of Muay Thai was complimentary both um, to uh, you know, obviously a Muay Thai sense, but it also carried over quite nicely to MMA. He fights with quite a wide base. Um, you know, he's a, a, a you know familiar fighter, and I felt that it carried over to MMA. Mm-hmm. And the more I got to know Andy and know his German and uh, appreciate his teaching styles, I just kind of started to to move over that way. And then yeah, found myself mm. um, uh, you know on a roots card to begin with. Yeah, awesome. And on like the coaching side of things, are you 
focused primarily on coaching people in their striking and their Muay Thai? Like what's the arrangement like at Bones and, and where do you fit in coaching the competitive team? Yeah, so we've I'm I'm like we're in a really small town here, but I'm I'm blessed yeah. to have a, a lot of really high level specialist coaches. I, I think yeah. it's it, it's part of you know it's a it's a surf town, so you know a lot of people move down for lifestyle, and yeah, you know, I've just been very lucky that a lot of those people have moved down of a really high caliber coaches. So I've got uh, you know specialist wrestling coaches, specialist jujitsu coaches, and I. Uh, for uh, both sides of things, both the MMA fight team and the Muay Thai, I show more of a uh, kind of a head, you know, head coach type role. So, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, be the lead corner. Uh, I hold pads for both. It's, it's um, you know, sometimes I feel like my energy will shift more to, you know, one side of things uh, and then it will kind of sway back. Um, it's not my attention. I've always got the attention for both. Um, I, I just mm -hmm. kind of, put my energy where I feel it needs to be at the time and, and spend more time there. But I'm very uh, uh, fortunate to be able to rely on the coaches to, you know, keep the balance across the board. Yeah, nice. And um, what kind of size um, competitive team do you have there and, and how are they split across the, the two sports or, or more, more than that even? Man, it's pretty crazy. Like we've got, I, I, I think at the moment we've got uh, eight professional fighters um, you know, some more active than others. Uh, because we've only been around um, three years, uh, you know, a lot of those people have come from other other gyms or have come yep. to us as amateurs and are now progressing into the professional ranks. Um, but it's a pretty even split. But but below those kind of professional ranks, we've got a lot of uh, amateur guys who and, and girls who are uh, homegrown. Um, yep. And I'm really excited about the next wave, the people who, uh, particularly on the Muay Thai side of things, the um, the young people who have kind of come through and started with us, got their start yep. with us, and are now starting to fight on Muay Vic because what they are then representative of is, um, is our system. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they've developed their style here. I'm really excited to see that, uh, those guys and girls start progressing and see where we can take that. And how do you find as a trainer um, – you know, I guess you've you've kind of touched on it there, but but how does it differ for you building someone from the ground up versus because you mentioned a lot of people move to Torquay kind of like for lifestyle, right? So are you finding that a lot of people are they've trained maybe they were from Melbourne or, or wherever they've come in from, they trained there and they've kind of found your gym as I've moved to Torquay and I want to continue my training. Is that where the majority of the people is that kind of a common situation for people coming into you? Uh, yeah, like there, there's a bit of that. And then there's, um, you know, some people who are already living in the area, but were having to travel further abroad for their training. Yeah, and we okay. opened up, it was like a kind of a marriage of convenience, but I guess they've stayed for the training. Um, I, I think I, I've been uh, quite comfortable, um, you know, working with people who have had like five or six professional fights coming here and, yeah. um, Kind of exploring and, and, and what I can offer them in terms of yeah. whether it be uh, you know additional knowledge or um, you know maybe taking their being refreshing their training, taking a new direction, reuniting their love for it. I've, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think we've had quite a lot of success in doing that. Um, and, and then the yeah the the homegrown guys, I, I really enjoy 
starting from scratch and yeah and teaching them rather than affording them techniques creating and nurturing an understanding of you know for for instance what muay thai is and encouraging mm. them to watch you know stadium muay thai and uh, sit down with them and understand the scoring and um uh kind of you know foster their development from like a, a root level understanding of what the sport is rather than teaching them how to kick and punch um yeah and, and yes, that we're starting to see the product of that now. Some, you know, I'm sparring last night with uh, a 15 year old guy. He's he's really lanky. He's having his first fight on Moy Vic next weekend, and I'm having all this. I'm having a lot of trouble with him, and that's really exciting. You know, a, a guy who was homegrown here, hmm. he, he's he's never had a fight, and I'm having difficulty with him after just three years of training. Is pretty cool and rewarding as a coach. There's something equal parts rewarding and depressing about building someone <laughs> up to the point where they can beat the shit out of you. Yeah. I, mate, I had to start coming to terms with that. Like you, you're still fit and healthy. I'm fat and old. And, um, you know, I uh, can't rely on um, athleticism anymore. So, mm. yeah, I had to come to terms with that a little while ago. I, I'm also always interested because I, I know some gyms, uh, you know, I think every trainer will experience at some stage, some gyms, it happens a lot based on their location or whatever it may be, is guys that have that bit of foundation coming in. So you met, you talk there about like that process of building someone up from being homegrown. What's the learning been like for you as a trainer in that difference? Because to me, like I've never been a trainer as such, but I've, I've had a hand in kind of helping out. And, and personally, I find that much easier to build someone up from like their very first day than to take someone who already has some degree of foundation because there's that potential conflict in styles and they've learned it one way and can you assimilate it i'm interested in your thoughts on what it's been like kind of learning to work with people that that come to you already with you know maybe already with a couple of fights or with some foundation yeah um you know, like my, my my background uh, in outside of martial arts is largely built around uh, you know building human capacity. So working with uh, w- working with uh, either groups or individuals to help um, uh, create an understanding of who they are and you know where they want to go, particularly with uh, you know teenagers uh, who are kind of on the fringes of the justice system and. Yeah. involved in police stuff so uh, i find like as a starting point it, um, to create a relationship with someone who's just come here who previously had another coach uh, like working on that relationship and building kind of a foundation of uh, mutual trust is a good way to start um, yeah. and just get going on the pads so to develop a um, almost a symbiotic relationship on the pads develop uh, and get to a point where we can flow and then bringing in the learning incrementally. So yep. rather than just coming and going, you know, day one, this is all the stuff we're going to scratch out. This is how much stuff I know that's better than your old coach, which usually isn't, you know, it usually isn't the case. We're just bringing in incrementally and mm-hmm. um, that's been successful to that point. But, uh, you know, some relationships are probably more delicate than others. It's just got to do it on an individual basis, eh? Yeah, absolutely. And then do you find like there's a certain way to nurture that you know develop that relationship with someone with some experience to make sure they become an asset to the newer guys like so they bring in something new 
Um, yeah, I, th- I think so. Like to, I, you know, in a group setting, I think it's good to acknowledge, um, you know, a newcomer's experience and, you know, to, to seek their opinion in class. Often our classes don't, they might not follow the um, kind of usual template of running a class. I try and get a lot of discussion going. Uh, yep. I, ask, I ask a lot of questions during class, whether they are to be thought provoking or um, generally because I'm interested in how people might inter- interpret a difference, who have a different style than me. Mm-hmm. And to have the benefit of uh, people with experience in the room makes that really adds value to that conversation. And uh, then you've got, you know, newer guys and girls who are party to that and they're, they're um, you know, they're, they're listening and they're hanging on every word. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I'm in a position where, you know, I didn't have a ton of fights. So I'm often coaching people who have had, you know, more fights than me. So um, to that extent, it's it's great to be able to ask, uh, you know, tap into their experience in a group setting. Yeah, I think that's like a really cool like level of coaching humility that's being like, you know, I, I believe that coaching and fighting are two very different skills. Uh, and that's why, like, you know, more fights does not equal better trainer. I think that's pretty fair to say. A lot of people that were successful in having a lot of fights go on to be pretty average trainers and the same works in reverse, right? But it's like, mm. as you say, like, there's that art to learning to kind of govern the training process while still being able to learn from the in-ring experience of, of the guys that are on your team mm. yeah absolutely and being like i'm always interested in like because you know i train at you know a real kind of like muay thai muay thai gym um you know we've had a lot of thai trainers through and that 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 background is very much um you know kind of comes from thailand i'm always interested in gyms that have that that mix we've got like an active team of Muay Thai fighters in, in an MMA gym, do you find you've got a lot of guys that are kind of dipping their toes in the individual arts such as Muay Thai en route to getting into MMA or is it fairly kind of segmented? Uh, at, at first, I'm happy to put my hand up and say that I probably made the mistake of encouraging too much um, uh, kind of mixing of the two, the two elements. Mm. Um, fairly recently, uh, an environmental change of uh, moving two gyms into one um, yep. kind of brought everyone into the same space. And what I tended to find was, um, you know, the the MMA guys would turn up to Muay Thai sparring um, and, and vice versa. And, and it, it wasn't conducive with um, developing, you know, the uh, Muay Thai rhythm or a Muay Thai mm-hmm. cadence. And and then I, I'd have, I'd find that the Muay Thai uh, crew were going over to the MMA sparring and they'll getting frustrated because they um, weren't able to um, kind of rely on their timing and, and you know, they're, they're two different, they're two different sports. Um, yeah. So uh, there's, there's far more of a clear delineation now as to MMA and Muay Thai. That's not to yeah. say that there's, um, there's knowledge that and, and learnings to be shared between them. There's mm-hmm. been, um, times recently where I've got an MMA guy that I'm working on who likes to spend time in the clinch, dirty boxing, throwing knees. And I'm like, you know what? Start coming down to, but we do a lot of clinching here, probably more, yep. more so than most gyms. And um, yeah, I've encouraged him to come down to our, our Thursday, Thursday clinch sessions to develop his understanding of, you know, um, uh, offsetting balance and, and developing trips and, and, and things like that. And that's really accented his game. But, to a large extent, I try and keep those two 
uh, areas separate. Yeah, because do you find it's just like also with, I, I think for me, like my original, original background in martial arts was a little bit more of that kind of kickboxing, MMA, like not that sort of authentic kind of Muay Thai. And, and I probably, when I was younger, like much younger in the sport, I, I, I didn't know a lot about real, real like Thailand Muay Thai. I kind of had that, you know, I, I didn't really fully understand the difference between kickboxing and Muay Thai to be honest and I probably just sort of like striking as a, a much more broad term that could sort of encompass all um, do you think that's just that that's kind of a mentality maybe some gyms have or, or maybe like MMA guys sort of just kind of I suppose like because we see this a bit in New South Wales especially at our lower level um, kind of development day like the equivalent of, of Muay Victoria um, the MMA guys sort of get their guys in to get a little bit of striking experience, but they really are not, they want them to have a stand-up match, but they're not exploring kind of the nuance and stuff that lets that happen. So when it gets, comes into the clinch and stuff like that, they're, they're quite ill-equipped. Mm. Um, do you think that's kind of a mistake people make? Um, was that something you kind of had to learn on the fly? Was that, that those kind of intricate differences between the two? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I, not for me. I've, um, yeah, I've been a consumer of, uh, you know, Muay Thai mm. for quite a while now. So I, I watch it. I, I watch a lot of Muay Thai. I think it's one of the um, kind of the more, one of the more underrated aspects of, you know, uh, understanding Muay Thai as, as you know, it's so accessible now is to watch it yeah. and to ask questions about it and, um, and yeah, just to consume it at every opportunity. So I, I've, I've, you know, I've been acutely aware of the differences and um, I, I don't think I've made that mistake. Look, at our gym, uh, while we share the same space, so the MMA guys upstairs, the Muay Thai crew are downstairs, it's um, the Muay Thai aspect of the gym is very uh, true to, you know, the cultural consideration. So we, mm. it was blessed by uh, a Thai monk. Um, I speak as much Thai as I can in class, not to be not to uh, to be a dick, but to foster, you know, yeah. an understanding of um, the the techniques and you know, just to try and impart some of the culture and the the understanding that um, sits beneath them. So, like, why we would throw a strike, why it, uh, it would be appreciated in Thailand over a, a different kind of strike. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, I think we're very true to the. Um, as much as we can be without appropriating it, you know, the, the mm -hmm. Thai part of the culture and it's our more Thai Yeah. Yeah, and that does bring me to um, something I was keen to get stuck into because you are very aware of like a, a you know, really authentic, like you've got a, a very rich rich knowledge of Muay Thai tradition. Is that just from self-study? Like, do you have a particular kind of mentor in that side of things? Um. You know what? Uh, at the moment, I'm learning. Uh, I've recently started uh, learning to speak Thai with Crew uh, oh, cool. Chom, and she's uh, a brilliant teacher. If you're not aware of her, jump jump onto her. Uh, thai by Chom is her yep. um, uh, Instagram handle, and she's a former fighter herself. Um, her English is excellent. She's a um, a teacher. Um, she's a, a current mentor of mine in terms of a source of information that I can go to, to go, 
you know, I was watching, I was listening to some commentators the other day at this, you know, at rank set and this is what they're saying. What are they getting to with that? I don't quite understand. She's able to broaden my understanding of it, of it there. Um, I, I've, I, 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 I watch uh, other trainers and I ask questions. I'm not afraid to, um, you know, go to kind of more, ex- more experienced trainers and or send them a message, go, Hey, you know, what, what do you think about this? What am I missing here? Um, yeah. And, and then, you know, consuming as much as I can on, uh, on there's, there's just so much available on the internet now to, to gain this information. So mm. it, in the, in the past, my mentor has absolutely been Andrew Colgrave. He, he understands a lot. He spent a long time fighting in Thailand and Cambodia. So he's, he's fantastic. Um, if I'm ringside at the fights, just going up to Jeb and going, you know, why was yeah. this scored this way? I don't understand. And he's, will always put you in your place. He's quite happy to, to go to a, a bus. You know, there's all these people around. You just yeah. need to ask questions to further your understanding. I love that. That's something um, a lot of kind of the guests we've talked to. It's, it's a theme I get onto a lot is like, you know, we, I think a lot of us, I say us because I'm definitely included sometimes. I think it's just a human thing, need to kind of ditch our stubbornness and just really be, I don't know, like, acknowledge the things that we don't know right like i spend a lot of time up here in new south wales the person i annoy more than anyone else is probably um elias um elias delapsis because he's so generous with his time and his knowledge but like i don't when he told me i could ask him a question anytime i don't think he knew what he was signing up for it's like ask jeeves (laughs) whatever happened to that guy anyway yeah got swallowed by google yeah but um, that kind of brings me to sort of the point that um, I was really keen to unpack. So talking about your kind of traditional knowledge and understanding. And one of the ways that I got a feel for everything that you know is your commentary work on yeah. rebellion. So a few shows in a row now, I think you've uh, been sort of the, been a feature of the rebellion commentary booth. Obviously there's only been a few shows over a couple of years for reasons we're bored of getting into, but um how did that come together? How did you uh, end up getting the call up to do the commentary? Yeah, so, I, you know, I haven't been around for a long time in commentary. It's, um, I, I think I've done uh, four rebellions now and, and a um, handful of roots. Yeah. Um, I used to have a, uh, a podcast uh, called Naughty Boy Fight Picks. And what we'd do is we'd go in and um, make, uh, make, make assumptions and, and predictions of UFC fights uh, and uh, talk shit. And uh, I became quite comfortable, um, you know, talking shit on camera and, you know, to an audience. And so I became aware of that at some stage. Now, I was uh, really looking forward to uh, this, one of the Roots cards at Malvern Town Hall because I didn't have any fighters on. I was like, man, how good is this? I've actually got a Saturday night off. I'm going to go to this. Fan. Yeah, I'm gonna go be a fan, and I got so I got so pumped up for it that me and my brother um, went to a bar in Footscray to have some uh, kind of pre-drinks before we got there, and um, it was a really hot day, and we ended up getting pretty hammered, it, which isn't you know I'm not a massive drinker, and um, by the time we rocked up to the show, we're real pissed, like I was slurring my words, <laughs> and we walked in through the front door, and Cy goes, Matt. Um, I need you to commentate. 
And I was like, um, I was like, get me the biggest bottle of water that you can find. So I, I, it, it wasn't planned. It was ad hoc. Um, and uh, I, I think maybe that was a good thing that um, I turned up kind of half cut because it kind of alleviated the, um, you know, any kind of anxiety or apprehension mm -hmm. I had around about being there. And I was with, um, you know, Donnie Miller, who's, um, you know, he's just easy to talk shit with and just had heaps of fun. And afterwards, yeah. I was, um, and it got received pretty well. And, I, you know, afterwards, I had a chat to Sai. So I was like, man, that was fun, dude. Let's do that again. So it, it, it very much happened by accident. And, um, yeah, I've, I'm, the, the more I get into it, um, the more I take it seriously and, and look to uh, kind of look into the narrative of each fight and to understand each fight and what it means for each fighter and, and the context of, you know, where they're at in their career um and yeah it's just kind of fostered this new love for for fight shows and man it's the best set in the house absolutely and and like we were talking about before we kicked off like i've been doing a little bit of commentary um up here and i've been lucky because like i don't pretend to be a good commentator i just it's something i would really like to practice enough to get good at and i've been really lucky um more than anyone andrew parnham has kind of like given me the platform to learn and I'm always really grateful for that because as a promoter like you know you're really putting your show your live stream in the hands of someone who you know in my case has no idea what they're doing um and especially like you know I I, I got to commentate uh Yolanda versus Diandra the other month and that was a fight that I was genuinely like really really excited for as in like when those two walked out like my heart was beating really fast like I was like really I would have been going nuts if I was in the crowd for that and to get that experience of like being able to commentate that and a lot of people are excited for it and like you're the person that they're gonna especially I was solo in, on the commentary so it's like they don't get a break from me for five seconds but I'm interested to hear after you got that kind of ad hoc opportunity to go and do it is this something that you've um done anything in particular to kind of upskill in or you find it just sort of comes naturally if have you put a process behind getting better or it's just kind of take it as it comes what comes naturally to me is talking um uh talking in front of an audience so um yeah whether it be in a, a forum such as a gym prior to this i used to do a lot of talks at uh, high schools and in uh, pr prisons and residential care homes. I did a lot of talking about violence, um, yeah, capacity building, motivational speaking. So that part of it is natural to me. Um, I didn't find the transition to uh, talking uh, to talking about a fight in a life sense natural. Um, it's something that uh, I spent spent time practicing. Um, uh, looking at, uh, I, I love American sports like college sports and you know NFL and taking note of how they add color to what what's happening on the TV and uh, how much time they spend talking about uh, you know an individual player, how much time they talk about the score, how much time they talk about you know the general feeling and and, and you know the senses that are attributed to that experience for those who aren't there in person to experience it yeah. and trying to add that. Um, and, and then uh, I, listening to what my co-commentators are saying because I've had uh, the privilege now of being 
uh, on, on the Mike Twiceworth uh, ha- uh, hammer, so hammer, Mike yeah. hammer Castanini. And man, like you know, I spoke about watching how accessible fight sports was in New Zealand in like the nineties. When I was like still shitting my pants, Hammer was commentating some of those fights. Mm. You know, like um, of, his voice is very familiar to me. So when I sit next to him, it's a pretty almost like a. And I'm not the type to be awed in any way, but it was like, man, this is fucking cool. Like I'm sitting here. Yeah. Like I used to listen to this guy, and here I am. So, you know, after the commentary, asking him questions, you know, and um, yeah, that's been really cool for me as well in terms of my development, I guess. But I think Hammer is such a great broadcast partner because he's been around fight sports for so long, like firsthand, but has also done so much commentary. So he's got that incredible amount of blended experience. Like, you know, you can commentate with a great fighter and they cannot necessarily be a great commentator, you know, or you can commentate with someone that really knows the broadcast side of things but doesn't really get the sport and that neither of those two people are going to kind of teach you a lot about building that commentating cadence. Cause they's just like, it's very difficult to find a person that has that balance of like broadcast ready experience versus actual color experience. I, I think it's, it's rhythm, right? Like, every, yeah. you know, just like how, you know, Muay Thai is, a, is about rhythm and offsetting rhythm and breaking rhythm. And, but, but, you know, to do that, having first to have an understanding of the cadence of what's happening. Yeah. You know, there's, uh, I, I love doing it with Hammer because the I, I get it. I feel the rim, I get the cadence. I know when it's my turn. I know when I shut up. And um, yeah, that, that's, it's really fun when that happens. You know, that's when you can, uh, you know, start to, to, to joke and, uh, or to, even to read more deeply into what's going on because you're not needing to fight to keep it, going yeah. and to keep its momentum eh? yeah absolutely yeah um, one like my last couple of commentary gigs have been solo because i go and i do andrew's show and it's very much a um the last couple have been quite grassroots like they they run through a, a novice show into an amateur show and they'll finish with some pros at the top but like just the length and and they're usually at the gym So it's just got that very casual, just one person on the mic. But that's a challenge in and of itself because you don't have that pacing help. And like, like I did one show, I did a Yakao show, which was really, really difficult for a couple of reasons. Like we were called in at the last minute and we didn't have any headsets, so we couldn't hear each other. Like it was actually a bit of a nightmare. But that one, there was always someone else in the booth who was the commentator. And that made it difficult too. Because like like you say, when you're the colour commentator, I suppose, I, I think the most important thing to understand is when to shut up. Like whether it's we've got to talk about a sponsor maybe or we've got to talk about you know something about play like just to control that rhythm i think as when you are like i think as a fighter or a coach when you're looking at the ring and you're trying to analyze what's happened it's moving a million miles an hour and you can just kind of word vomit that it's like learning that cadence of like say something less is more kind of like you know did you find kind of similar things yeah man totally um (laughs) it took i i've uh, only there, there, there was a time on one of the root shows, I think it was at Collingwood Town Hall, where uh, I think it was with uh, Andrew Parnham, and he had a fighter on and there was no cover. So I, I fought, found myself having to commentate like three 
three fights by myself. And man, I um, I hadn't done it to that point. And I listened back to it, and like at one stage, I was talking about like ladies of the night or something. I'm like, man, I should never be left alone. It's like leaving a kid alone with like a lighter. And it's like I had Paris in my ear just going, dude, what are you talking about? And so, yeah, it's it is definitely tricky to do it by yourself. And yeah, I I I, I only want to say um, it, I, I don't want to talk for the sake of talking. I think that's yeah. Kind of, yeah the point that you're getting people don't people don't want to hear the 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 dribble they want to they want to have uh what's happening on the screen accented and and made better and to get a sense of what they can't when they're not there um, or you know if they're watching it at home to feel like they're having a you know some kind of dialogue with the person that's on the mic mm. i think so um not to add any extra fluff and man that's going to take me a while to get used to it but I certainly plan on getting better. I'm um, I'm commentating uh, Boa, which is uh, size jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu yeah. tournament um, in a couple of weeks, which will be a new challenge altogether. I'm, I'm um, really looking forward to that challenge because the, the pace of, you know, uh, submission grappling, uh, mm. especially if there's a gi involved, can be much slower and more intricate and it's things aren't quite as obvious. And, Man, I don't know how much time you spend them out around jiu-jitsu gyms, but they're all fucking nerds. So it's like <laughs> every, everyone there. There's no one like sitting there at like a sports bar sinking beers, watching that. Like they're all sitting at home, um, you know, with their notebooks and uh, you know, pajamas. So Got to be <laughs> on point. Do you think that will change the cadence? Is that a, a thing you've got to consider as speaking to a different audience? Like maybe, you, and of course, the pace is different, as you say. Do you think there is a little bit room to articulate more intricately in a jiu-jitsu match than a, a Muay Thai fight, for example? Yeah, well, look, I, like, um, I, I think I certainly know more about Muay Thai than I do about jiu-jitsu. Like, I've been doing jiu-jitsu for uh, eight years or something now, but... Um, you know, contemporary jiu-jitsu is like sometimes mm. I look at it and it's alien to me. So um, I, I think in, in a, some, a scenario like that to spend more time, you know, examining the lineage of each fighter and, mm-hmm. you know, because that stuff is, I, I find that really interesting personally. So yeah. I'd like to talk about it, like learning where did this guy get his black belt from and what does that mean in the context of this match? You know, how... Yeah. How does the style of his lineage compare with the style of this other person's lineage? And man, like Bo is a spectacle. Like um, yeah. I went to one, uh, man, it's been 2017, and it's really, really impressive. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, to 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 sell that to the people at home will be won't be hard, but it'll be yeah. something something I'll spend time doing. Yeah. Awesome, uh, a man of many skills, jumping into the jujitsu now can commentate anything. Yeah, we'll see. See, I'll start commentating your OnlyFans if you want. I just need a little cut. Just kick me back a little something. Summon, summon. I'll put that service in in the description as well if you need commentated OnlyFans videos. So interested to hear also from the kind of the shows that you've done in the time you've been commentating, do any moments stick out as like, like, you know, highlights incredible moments to be there calling and and what was it like to kind of put your spin on those yeah um man like that i reckon that like uh that first night um that first night where i I was just kind of put in the seat and then to be sitting there and for it to go live that was a really cool moment for me i was like uh 
I was like, man, this how cool is this? Like how mm. how interesting that my kind of foray with uh, Muay Thai uh, back when I first stepped into Andy Colgrove's gym has led to this moment in such a short period of time. I was like, that that was a really cool moment for me, and um, you know, one that stood out on a on a brand such as Roots Rebellion, which you know it means a lot to me. I really appreciate what side does with that, and yeah. I've got a, I've developed a lot of relationships around it. So it's not something that I, um, I, I really took it seriously and, and accepted that responsibility as, um, you know, something of importance, you know, and so it means something to me. So that was really cool. The lockdown show was uh, that I commentated with Tim, the Roots lockdown show was yeah. both um, uh, important and in the context of what was going on. I think there was a general sense of um, uh, of as as meaning something more than just being a Muay Thai show. Yeah. Um, Dima Coley, who is just a legend, uh, came over um, to have a chat to me and Tim just before uh, we went live, and he was like, he, "He's yeah, he's so he's so cool. He's like, let's really give this everything. Let's there's yeah. no crowd here. Let's really push hard tonight, boys." And I was like, "Fuck yeah, let's go!" And that was that was really cool, but it was also that show stands out because it had no crowd and we were ringside. That was, mm -hmm. um, it, it was confronting uh, and difficult. And there was a lot of sponsors that we had to get mm. through and played a part. So I've, I felt like uh, me and Tim uh, accomplished, you know, something that was quite challenging on it. That really stands out. Um, the, uh, the eight man uh, tournament, um, the eight man tournament, uh, at St Kilda Town Hall yeah. was was really cool. I did that with that was my first rebellion. I did that with uh, it changed through a bit, but Andy uh, Parnham was there when he wasn't cornering. Uh, uh, Pinky uh, Chris Bradford was there for a bit. Alexi, it was just really cool. Um, mm. and, and the caliber of the fights was unreal. Massive night that was. It was awesome. And the St Kilda Town Hall is it's got it's got this. Uh, it's it's not a big venue, but the acoustics yeah. of the place gives it a, a theatre. Um, I think it was Corey Barrett um, fought on that show. I can't remember who he fought now, um, but the the Beast crowd. So when Beast calm, they um, they're very vocal, and I can remember yeah. kind of turning around and just behind me, behind the barricade, they were like screaming and sweating, and it was just, I was like, man, this is awesome. Like you feel everything kind of feels smooshed in and and together it was that that really stands out too yeah and um does do moments like that make that crowdless show given it was kind of like a i mean hopefully it was a a one-off right like <laughs> um yeah did, does that kind of affect the atmosphere like were you having to find yourself do doing things differently because there was no crowd did it feel different what what was that like that kind of transition like? Yeah, it was it was it was there was no energy to feed off. So once once yeah. the fighters got in there, um, once the fighters got in there, it was just our voices and the voices of the corner. So I had to personally, I had to fight through the uncomfortability of the fighters hearing what I was saying, especially yeah. those with whom that would I, be hard. That would be hard. Yeah, especially with those whom that I had a relationship, 
you know, like being able to hear what I was saying and commentate live, that was yeah. uncomfortable for me. And like after the first time, I'm like, man, I'm just going to say what I'm just going to try and do what I'm doing. And Tim was awesome. Like um, we got it, we, we got a, a pretty natural kind of banter going on. And, uh, but yeah, it was very difficult without the crowd there. Yeah, I thought you guys were great that night. I like Tim as well. He's um, I, I like what he's been doing with the. It does mostly like the kind of ring announcing stuff, but I think he speaks very well. So I, I agree. You guys were a good duo. Um, you know, we of course also were like well in the thick of our lockdown when that crowdless rebellion show <laughs> went on. So having that to kind of watch, it was a big event. Like I remember um, a bunch of us across a couple of gyms watched that. Like I was watching it to screen because we all got on Zoom to watch the show. Yeah. Talk a little bit in between fights and, and play on the other side. So, um, yeah, I thought the way that you guys put that together. Look, because of course in that setting, like commentary teams very important um, because like, you know, it's just, I mean, obviously we watched the fight, but they're fighting in like a silent uh, kind of empty venue. Like it really becomes a lot more like, like the commentary plays a more intimate sort of role. Um, especially when everyone who's watching it is at their house by themselves, because it's not even like you can grab three mates and watch it together. So you are kind of like, like, more than ever i think that show it felt like you were watching it with the commentators and that's where i think like you guys vibe worked really well because you are both that sort of relaxed kind of casual almost commentary style it was not like i don't even know how to describe it wasn't it wasn't that like kind of peppy and robotic sort of media style of commentary it was a little bit more dialed back like let's just enjoy this fight together yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I think so too, man. Um, when, um, because uh, Hammer was there, he was cornering um, River Dads, yeah, River, was, yeah, yeah, and uh, he had his uh, Warriors Way lockdown event, you know, a couple months later. I noticed yeah. that he put Sai and the other commentators right at the back of the room, away from the ring. And yeah. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, good, good, good move. Good call. Uh, good, good call. Do you know what's really strange about, and it's something that you wouldn't have been able to. Uh, really pick up through the cameras and it you, you just don't have crowdless muay thai shows where no. people are smashing each other and the sounds um like i can still remember the sounds it's something that you you, you just don't hear is the violence of muay thai like unbridled violence without the uh kind of environmental noise of the crowd and stuff yeah and man you just like I used to do this shit. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. Like, you hear, like, when someone checks, you hear the bone on the bone. Um, you know, there were some really good uh, little exchanges with elbows, and you hear, like, the, the not, not even, like, a thud, like, the clunk of an elbow. And I was like, man, this is, this sport's yeah. sick. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So it was a privilege to be party to that and hear it without the crowd noise. So it's um, pretty rare. That was something that was very interesting to me about the one championship crowdless shows the, in the early going. Cause like what was cool about those shows um, to me was like, you know, one championship often doesn't match their top ties with their top ties, but when you close all the borders, they didn't have a choice. So you actually got some like quite high quality matches out of it, but it was just listening to with no crowd, how noisy, the tie fighters are like the way that because you notice it when you're in the gym with them when you go there to train they they 
kind of audibly manage their breathing and keep a rhythm. Like it's almost like they're singing a little song. Where like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then like, you know, fight, I think one of the said, I think it was, um, did Sokra fight um, Pong Suri? I think that might, that might've been the match. And these two were so noisy. Yeah. Like, like, and you don't even realize that, like, that's what the inside of that cage of that ring sounds like all the yeah. time. Like if you're a referee, you would hear it. But like it was like kind of a new piece of insight to outsiders watching is some of the sounds that go on in the ring. Yeah, isn't it interesting? Because like that's what play sparring should should mm. sounds like. Yeah, you know, bang! I, you know, I, I landed that kick uh, yeah. without without having to land it with lots all that knee with lots of force. Yeah, mm. uh, you know, that that's uh, at the highest level. That that. Uh, the the that relaxed not not without compression but you know that relaxed nature of sparring and that playfulness mm. can carry over but just be kind of dialed up in terms of the yeah. violence and the intensity. Uh, whereas you know there was um you know there was some fights on that that cl- that card and I could hear people holding their breath which was really yeah. interesting. You know at the lower levels I could hear the <laughs> that yeah. and, and like the um, you know, when people threw a, a kick, I could hear how tight their bodies were. It was really interesting. And from a coaching perspective to be able, you know, to step back and be like, now I'm a coach and this is like, without all the noise, I can hear what it means and sounds like to be tight and, and, and tense. And, and like one of your first couple of fights, it was interesting. And that was a question I was keen to touch on as well, given that you've had your competitive experience, you're um, playing a coaching role now. Do you think commentating and getting that angle of the sport as a whole has kind of helped you with your coaching? Like, have you sort of picked up any new perspective or do you really feel that they're, they're kind of entirely separate? Um, I I don't think it, um, I I don't think it would have changed a huge uh, amount in terms of how I go about coaching, but what it has been really valuable for is uh, understanding the landscape of Muay Thai in Australia. So, um, I, I do a lot of research before uh, I, I commentate now. Especially I think the that's last something week. you do very well. Um, like I was, because it's something I've tried to put together too. Like I think people ask me to commentate shows because they know I have a pretty good grasp of who everyone is. But like, you know, because I've had you commentate me um, once now, I, I was very impressed with kind of the questions that you sent through, not just for the questions that you asked, but the questions you were asking had background knowledge involved like it's not like what's your favorite technique and you know what's your best part about fighting like you're asking me questions about i know you moved from your old gym to sit on what's that been like because it's like it's one thing to ask a question but it's another to ask an actual kind of telling question based on something you know yeah well i get i guess that's just it's just along with my interest right like i mm. Um, what interests me, one of the things that interests me just about fighting is, uh, you know, the, the narrative of each uh, combatant's journey. Like what, uh, fighting is such like a, a journey and exploring, you know, your own uh, morality and like kind of finding out who you are. Like that stuff interests me personally. Yeah. I find it interesting. And um, to learn more about uh, a fighter's uh, you know, coach or their gym or their style and what it means in the context of their story as a fighter. Mm. Um, that stuff interests me. So, uh, 
yeah, I think it's 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 easy for me to then go down that path to find out more. And yeah, you know, through through doing that um, on, on a bunch of shows now, and about even even for guys who are just coming up who have had like two or three fights on on routes, um, the lay of the land is kind of spread out for me now. I'm like, ah, oh, I get it. Like this is this is the nuance between a fight fighter from dominance like i know that if the fighters mm. come out from dominance they're going to be favoring the uh, the body kick and the, and the switch kick and they don't mind uh you know toy they don't mind to move back and hit with a switch kick and you know you probably see more long guard out of them as opposed to you know a, another gym like braveheart we're going to have a more aggressive come forward more much style like that's good for me as a coach yeah, perfect. And, and I think that it, I definitely, as a fan of the work that you've been doing, I think that comes across and I think it's something that I'd love to see a little bit more of in Muay Thai commentary because it adds to the storytelling element. And something I was talking about in one of the episodes a couple of weeks ago was how we grow the sport is we change. Like a lot of the time when people are watching a fight, they're watching to see a person. They're not necessarily yeah. a fan of the sport. So they might be casually interested but where we elevate that casual interest is we take a fight and we change it from being fighter A versus fighter B to give that little, that reason for investment and tell the stories in, because a fight's a fight. I've seen thousands of them. You've seen thousands of them. What's gripping me to that? You know, we, we've obviously very, our fascination is the sport. That's not how we build a fan base, right? We build a fan base in people who are, casually interested so how do we tell a little bit of a story that a cultivates interest but b helps people get that little bit more educated like you say this is what you can expect from the dominance fighters because they train with so and so and then when someone sits down to watch another show oh he's fighting out of this gym last time the commentator said we can expect this and this and, and add that context so i've been really enjoying the way that you turn a fight into a story like i'm a huge fan of listening to you commentate Oh, thank you, man. That's awesome, bro. That's awesome. I, so I was sitting down, uh, I was sitting down the other day with my wife. She's a, uh, you know, she she's fight still fighting and fights, you know, yeah, yeah, massive fight fan. And uh, we're watching the UFC countdown show for the mm. um, Cyril Gain versus Ngannou. Oh. And I was sitting there, I was watching the countdown. I was like, man, no one does it better than these guys. Not because of the production value, but because they get that. They get, yeah, um, they get how to sell a narrative and to. Yeah. And, and they've converted a bloodthirsty, dumb um, uh, uh, kind of fan base, and and they're educating them. But they're the grab mm. is the story. Like that's what gets them. They're interested in what it means in the context, uh, rather than how the fight metrics, the data, kind of interact. They're not interested in that. Um, and I think that's just something that's uh, is is like is very primal and and. Mm. Um, you know, it, it can be found in, uh, it's found in like all old stories as kind of like the uh, good versus evil and, you know, the, the heel and the hero. And yeah, um, yeah that's what uh, human beings, that's what interests us is, is, a, is a good story. Absolutely. And just like kind of as we uh, uh, approach time here, another one that I was really speaking of that storytelling and is there any particular fighters or, or you know, any, you know, Again, hopefully we're getting back to a, a busy year this year. Any particular fighters or upcoming matches you'd like to see? Anything that you feel is kind of in the pipeline for, for Oz Muay Thai or any combat sport, you know, it's really that you're really looking forward to? Yeah, man. I, like, I, um, 
I, I get really excited uh, for Carter Lawrence. Like, uh, and mm, you know, I've spoken you. about this. I'm a little bit of a, a fanboy. I, I, I like that style. I, mm. I like I like kicking styles, and I enjoy uh, what I saw from him in his uh, his last fight versus Darren. And I, could I thought see that was an amazing fight. That was his, a really really good fight. Yeah, and and I like I like the. Um, uh, I, I like what he had brought over from FA Group. I, I really enjoy yep. clinching. So whenever I see, um, you know, good high-level clinching, and um, those two will certainly put it on, I, I enjoy that. Um, man, I, 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 it's not even on like the the, the top tier level, but the last Moy Vic, um, mm-hmm. something that gets me really excited is seeing how seeing really good up-and-comers fight and see how they progress. Like, I know that's yeah. not, um, you know, super consumable to, uh, in, in terms of, like, mainstream Muay Thai, but I, I'm really excited in two weeks' time to see how these guys are progressing. Um, there was some real standout. There was a, a kid from um, Eight Blades, uh, boy in Dom's gym, who fought last time. I'm excited to see him fight. Donnie Miller's got some really good up-and-comers. That gets me excited. I like to, I, I like to see that, um, and it's scary. Do you know what's scary? Like, man, some you know some of these kids who are coming up who are like 14, 15, who have grown up with uh, the the resources of all this knowledge that's available mm. and the the better understanding and um, better you know development pathways in Australia are going to be so good, man. And I'm excited yeah. to be part of that journey, like from from grassroots right up to the top level. That's that gets me excited, you know. Yeah, and I think like a, a sort of um, a more structured amateur development program in Victoria in particular, because the kind of pathway system at that early into experience professional level is already so good down there that adding that that grassroots layer is going to be absolutely huge. Like I'm, I think there's going to be some serious talent of the, mm. the next generation of pros pumping out of um, – Victoria, I think that's yeah. a really exciting idea. Hell yeah! And it just, uh, just you know, quickly on, um, you know, some some of the uh, kind of up and coming uh, fighters that I'm really keen to see at like a pro level, like the Martin mm. sisters, get me excited. You know, like yeah, um, pretty much. Like man, I busted Karen Karen um, uh, shoplifting at Culture Kings before uh, before Rebellion <laughs> the other day. He's, but, he's been you know, known to do that. Let's not let detract yeah. from you know what what he's doing over at Moyu. I'm really excited. He's to banned see. from Canberra and Sydney Culture King, so when he gets down to Melbourne, he sort of has to go and have a run. Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, and <laughs> um, so I'm excited to see them. Yeah, man, just Muay Thai is awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> that's really that's the whole point of the show at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. But yeah, um, really appreciate your time. Uh, like I've said, uh, I've said this to you in this episode, but I've said it about you in other episodes as well. I'm a massive fan of what you're doing as a wannabe commentator. I'm super inspired. I like to hear other people doing it well so I can try to copy a little bit. It's like fighting, right? Like just take some little tricks and, and try to make it yours. And that um, 10 year anniversary kind of promo piece that you did was like, I've watched it heaps of times. Like I went out at the show um, and just stood in the crowd, like just to watch it. And like, I seriously think that's one of the best pieces of like 
I don't even know if you'd call it promotional work. Like it was, it was a work of art. Like I absolutely thought that was unreal. And, and I'm excited to keep seeing you as a, as a fixture of the commentary booth at Australian Muay Thai shows. Oh, thank you, man. That, meant, that means a ton. I really appreciate those kind words. That um, was a privilege to do the 10 year anniversary, which is why I put so much into it. Um, and, you know, if, if I can be a, a fixture of that show or, you know, whatever capacity I'm in, I'm, just really excited for what the future holds in that regard, man. So hopefully we get to call together one day. So if you're listening, nice. the bro, Hugh, oh, he's not busy it. kicking and punching people's legs <laughs> off. Bring him down. That's the collaboration that we want. Um, where can people find you? What's your kind of preferred social media platform to sort of follow the journey? Uh um, I'm encouraged regularly to actively post on our Instagram, which is Bones MMA. Um, we're in Torquay. Uh, I don't have a personal um, a personal channel or anything these days. I'm trying to minimise those distractions, but please follow our gym. We've got heaps going on. We've got we're about to launch uh, the Wimps the Warrior program down here, which I'm super excited about. Looking to get involved awesome. in uh, some youth development stuff with uh, 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 IMAF and yeah, heaps going on, man. Find us in Torquay. Come down for a surf and a hiding. There you go. Can't ask for much more than that. Sweet. Hugh, thanks very much, bro. Hey, all the best, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you back in there. Thank you. Looking forward to seeing you down in Melbourne soon, I hope. Sounds good, bro. Beauty. To everyone else, thank you very much for listening, as always. Do us a solid by liking, sharing, subscribing. If you enjoyed the episode, tell your mates. That's how we can keep doing it. Thank you, of course, to our sponsors, the Legends at Warriors of the Moncon. They've got some fresh kit dropping, so hit up the website. Some awesome content on their Instagram as well. We, As we said, Muay Thai is cool, and we want to support the people that are backing Muay Thai. Hopefully, Shane and I are both back next week because I'm sure everyone is sick of me, but the guest quality has been pretty good. Uh, until then, take care. Talk soon. Thanks again for listening to the Combat Chat Podcast. You can catch all episodes on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and all other podcast platforms. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Follow your boys on Instagram, Facebook, at Combat Chat Podcast. See you next week.